0: welcome everyone to episode 22 of the gamify everything podcast we talk about the metaverse and beyond everything beyond the metaverse Uh, it's gamified tech obviously the metaverse play to earn games i'm your host marcus howard and today we are joined by ryan mcdowell welcome to the show ryan
1: thanks marcus it's great to be
0: here and just quick, quick housekeeping items again this this podcast is powered by gamify ideal launchpad for everything gamified We'll be sharing some updates along the course of this next 45 minutes, but most importantly for you all listening, if you're joining us live in Discord or LinkedIn, Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, what have you, if you send your questions in, we will see those and then we'll answer them as we see them. If you're in Discord, you can actually raise your hand, we'll promote you to the stage and you can ask your questions live. Because we are streaming this out later, either Ryan or myself will repeat your question. So without further ado, Ryan Tell us a little bit about your background and and how you got into uh, the play to earn space. Yeah, sure. Uh, So, actually, I started
1: about 2018, and Ethermon was one of my entry points. Uh, So, like probably many of the people uh, listening on this, I went down the the rabbit hole pretty deep after I first learned about crypto and tried to figure out where my place in this new world was. Uh, So, I knew there was something there. I I love the idea of owning your assets. Just this idea of kind of redistribution of, you know, the the power in our existing ecosystem back to the the users, the players, the people who actually provide the value. Uh, so that's that's what really turned me on to NFT gaming. And of course, now in retrospect, it seems obvious that there was this boom. But at the time, you know, there was CryptoKitties. There was maybe a few projects that uh, were starting in the infancy. And uh, Ethermon was actually owned by a another team. Uh, based in Singapore, it was a centralized group and they, they started as Ethermon. So we had our Facebook moment where they, you know, Facebook, Sean Parker says, uh, drop the, the, you know, not the mm-hmm. Facebook, <laughs> just Facebook. We had, uh, drop the E, uh, not the Theremon, just Ethermon. And we, we kind of took it over as community with that original project, um, sort of kind of sunset and the community stepped up and said, we really want to see this game through. We want this game to have like a new life and all the work that we put in as community members, we want to see that, you know, kind of uh, progress and for this to reach its full potential. So that's that's kind of been my trajectories. I, I was in and out of contracts with Ethermon and other projects. I took up a job at MIT in administration for the three years up to the, you know, the last year. And then I made the full jump into crypto. In uh, December, actually, which seems in crypto years, five years ago, but it's just a few months at this point. Uh, so it's, it's been quite a ride. Um, and now I'm, I'm heading up marketing for Ethermon. Uh, it's an amazing team. We're global. We're about 50 people now, uh, between moderators and devs and admin. So it's been, it's been an awesome ride for me and just getting to know a global team working with people all over the world to kind of advance this mission has been super exciting. So yeah, I'm happy to be able to be talking to you about this now.
0: Well, congratulations on making the big jump. I did the same thing ironically in December, I've working as a, a oh, programmer did. for 15 years and, and jumped right in. Cool, it's exciting, it's a different pace, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I'm really intrigued about this, this concept of the community taking over the project. And if you don't mind, if you would do a deeper dive into that, because I also, you know, I've been working in the gaming industry 10 years now. And so I I follow kind of the the general heartbeat of the ecosystem. And I know, and you've probably seen this, like non-play-to-earn devs and I guess the non-blockchain community are still really casting a lot of shade, have a lot of of, uh, pessimism about the potential and the value that blockchain adds to games. Um and, and I've seen people just like be almost violently opposed to it, uh, you know, full stop. They don't even want to hear a counter argument or or right. listen listen to reason. Can you talk about that kind of transition from the project was sunsetting? And even if you could illuminate why it was sunsetting and then like how the, the community stepped up, because I'm not having followed... The technical term Dow seeing something that's more like recent as of the last eighteen yeah. months so to to my knowledge, and I don't know everything. So just kind of speak to that. Yeah, and I, I think it's it's this
1: promise that we had when crypto kind of came up, right of uh, like decentralized power distributed decision making, all of these buzzwords of like we're giving the power back to the you know the community members, the people who actually provide the value. Uh, but a lot of the time it's lip service, right? Where you actually have rug pulls, all these scams, and like, it gives the whole industry a bad name. And it's kind of more of the same from the traditional, whatever you want to say, corporate sector, where mm-hmm. there's these, uh, these people kind of run away, right? With the, the gains. And then, you know, that casts the whole sector in a bad light. Um, so for me, the promise of blockchain is actually to decentralize power in, in any ecosystem to kind of have the people who are closest to the problems, whether it's the community members or the gamers or the people who are you know, providing like their data, like you know, Facebook users, for example, that they're actually benefiting from being shareholders and value contributors. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the spirit that we all started as like a small community for Ethermon, um, where we, we were really talking to the founders and very integrated into that from the get go. So it, it was more cultural. It wasn't like a formal DAO. It was this idea that there's a feedback loop between your community members and the people running a project. And there should be, right? Not just like a focus group to, you know, check a box, but right. like legitimately listening to what people want, who are the most passionate players. Um, and the reason I think a lot of, you know, projects at that point faded out was we didn't know where the space was going, right? So the crypto winter hit, people were <laughs> like, you know, this is over and this... I can't believe I did this. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I yeah. throw all my money in whatever, like crypto shark, whatever bullshit project. I just made one up. Uh, but it's, it's like, you know, it's like the same way that's happening now where, you know, people get max hype and then it, it peters out. It's, it's that natural hype cycle. Um, so we were kind of, we were hitting that top of the hype cycle and then it, it kind of fell off. And I think a lot of project leaders and owners decided, you know, I'm going to maybe do something a little more conservative for a bit. Um, so that I, I don't know all the reasoning behind. I can't mind read the core team at that Mm -hmm. point. I was just a player. Um, I would help with contracts, but I wasn't in those internal discussions. So I, I'm not sure. And it doesn't really matter at this point. Um, we, we want to take over the project because we cared about the assets and we own the assets. Right. Um, so when players actually don't get the plug pulled on them, when the game sunsets, you know, it's a completely different opportunity where these assets our player owned, and now we're saying, okay, like, well, what do we do with these now? Um, so it's it's guiding our trajectory now where we're saying, you know, the community is very talented. Maybe they can make mini games. Maybe they can, you know, take these assets and create a life of their own now. Um, so we have, if you go on our Discord, we're already doing this. We're letting community members create different ways of interacting with Ethermon. And uh, that kind of started in 2019, where we made this decision this Is going to be community driven. Um, so the core team now is made up of two co founders that were the top one and two players, uh, which is awesome, I think. And they kind of the number one player always gives shit to the number two player.
0: <laughs> it's uh, it's it's reminded every once in a while. <laughs> it reminds me what's that? Uh, that it was an anime on Adult Swim where Sam Jackson was uh, the samurai. I blanked yeah. on it. Af- afro samurai it was
1: like the number one and the number two anyway go ahead <laughs> it's, it's, i guess it's a parallel uh mm-hmm. yeah so i i think that passion is what drives us right it's like not just like a cash grab like a lot of these projects are kind of just trying to do the marketing and pump and dump right mm-hmm. we've been in this like sustainably for a long period of time because we actually want it to be a a project that grows with the community over time and with the space over time not just something that we enrich ourselves we we kind of look at it as like our NFT holders and our collectors are shareholders. Mm-hmm. And how do we provide value to those people again and again over time? Um, and we have extreme empathy because we were in their shoes, right?
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: that's where it comes from. Uh, yeah. so I, I think it's like everyone's there for the right reasons so far. Um, and we actually, it's kind of like, you know, people come into the group and they say, oh, this is what it could be in this space. It's not just a bunch of shills DMing you trying to get you to do something that you don't want to do. It's like, how can we educate and inform people about how to get started in NFT end of the game? Um, So that's, that's the foundation. It's a long-winded answer, but yeah.
0: No, it's, it's a great answer, and, and I was joking with you earlier, like when we, we did a mic test like three hours ago, that this was the first, one of the first episodes in 22 episodes that was gonna be uh, without error, but it seems that I had created an error, so I apologize to you and everyone listening, especially those who were trying to view on YouTube, it is streaming live, but that link that I sent you, for some reason, YouTube has a separate link. So if any of your oh, team yes. is listening, uh, if you want to send them the link to the live, I'm going to send it to you here in the private chat that you and I have so you can share it with your team. We are streaming live, but it, it spawned like a separate instance, uh, which is separate from the one that is in the, the console you and I looked at earlier. Okay, no sweat. Uh, yeah. Beauty of Crypto is everyone expects bugs and a couple of <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate that. Let me send this over to you now and you'll send that over to your team very quickly. They can join in live. And again, once this episode is done, it's actually being uh, broadcast live through Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And once it's done uh, with a two week delay, it'll go out into all the audio podcasts uh, platforms. So you can share with with your team and your fans and community there. If I miss this, forgive me, but How did the the transition like the technical transition happen of the ownership? Because, you know, if it's blockchain based, obviously the assets are are, and and the community is kind of codified within the blockchain. But how do you go from the old entity to the new entity?
1: Right. So it it was a transition, not just the dropping of the E, but new tokenomics, new um, sort of new trajectory where we migrate to Polygon. So we're still on Ethereum. But. Uh, as you know, the congestion and the fees made it unplayable for a lot of games. Like, how are you going to transact where the gas fees are more than the asset you're transacting, right? Uh, (laughs) So, so we made that switch to the, um, you know, the Ethereum virtual machine sort of like sidechain layer two, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. Um, and that enabled us to have a much more fluid gameplay. And that also meant, you know, redoing a lot of smart contracts on this new chain. And, Mm -hmm. uh, we're still in the process of, uh, rolling out, you know, pre-existing features on Polygon and new features on Polygon that, you know, enable like a new dimension to the ethermon.io gameplay. Um, and then the central land is the, the big second part of this. I'd say the bigger than second part of this because that's where all of our uh, energy is going right now. We're maintaining and redeveloping the, the 2D, the 2D gameplay, but we're really focused on this new metaverse first mission is like, how do we make it very accessible for a lot of people in, you know, this 3D environment as well. Um, so we have the largest gaming district in Decentraland and the eighth largest district in general. And we're, you know, we're block by block, parcel by block, uh, parcel, really developing this into an MMO-inspired game where people can have, like, this ongoing experience and, you know, battle uh, PvE enemies for loot and upgrade their mods over time. Uh, so we've expanded a lot since 2017. And, you know, with the abilities of Decentraland to not be unplayable, (laughs) like Mm -hmm. where the bugs were kind of limited gameplay, uh, we've actually, we've seen a lot more adoption recently as, uh, it becomes much more fluid and they roll out, uh, upgrades. Yeah. That's, that's Um, tremendous. Uh, I'm really
0: excited to hear like two things. First, I think it's intriguing that, as you evolved into a new organization, the gameplay experience evolved from 2D to 3D. That's really cool. Right. Uh, and yeah. then also that you had your number one and number two players basically become the, the leadership of the new organization. And like you said, you know, that's never happened really before in the history of the gaming industry, where like people who were are the hardcore players, like the most passionate about the community and, and the experience in um, the game, have an opportunity to continue to to have that genuine support uh, for the community and the game and the future of the franchise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's
1: really why I got involved, actually, is that spirit. And it's rare, right? Because there's, mm-hmm. like, not only is it like, a lack of transparency sometimes, but, like, a lot of founders are anon. You don't even know who they are past, like, a picture of a cat, you know? <laughs> so, like, to have that transparency where, like, I know these guys, I've been playing with these guys, um, and then we've just expanded so much based on that, like original spirit into like what we are now. And we've carried that through, right? So there's never been, there's a very blurred line between like community member and team member for us. Um, and we really liked it that way. It creates a lot more contribution opportunity, right? Um, and we can lead by example saying like, oh, you can become like a part of this team because like, I mean, look at me, I was a player, right. um, So, and we've we've been bringing people into the fold month after month who are extremely talented, uh, bring a completely different perspective and skill set, and just keep on enhancing the game. Uh, So I think it's a powerful driver and it's a huge asset, right?
0: Yeah, I I think players would want that. You know, I think players didn't even ask them for that. They just didn't know what the solution was. They knew there was a problem. There was this disconnect between, like, we as gamers, as consumers, and then, like, I'll I'll hate I hate to use this, but like them as game publishers, as producers, right. right? They only see them seeing us as dollar signs. And and I think to a degree that still happens in the traditional, um, you know, non-blockchain space, especially with some of the larger, the publicly traded AAA game studios. And that's why you see yeah. things like games get launched before they're done or, you know, any number of, of issues But this is the opportunity to reinvent the entire industry from the ground up. So kudos to you all and the the Ethermon team for for leading the charge there.
1: I appreciate it. Yeah, it's really that distinction of consumer and creator, right? Like we're kind of, we're stepping into our roles as creators and value contributors and we're not just consuming anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I see that as like a cultural shift as well.
0: Excellent, excellent. I want to take a quick break in case anyone has any questions. Thank you, Bitcoin owner and in juxtaposition, I might be butchering that, but we, we see you all over there in, in YouTube land. We appreciate your support. Um, if you're in LinkedIn or any of these places, if you have a question for Ryan, feel free to ask those questions, type them in the comments, we will see them here. We'll share them so everyone can see them and, and then ask them. If you're in Discord, you can join us on the episode live. And again, we'll repeat your question. Uh, just another quick housekeeping item. Again, uh, Gamify, the token is GMI. You can stake them on the website now for 225, up to 225% APY. We just had our first IDO launch last Friday, which was the GAMI team. And this upcoming Thursday, we have a new um, uh, IDO coming up. It's Time Raiders. So join us on, on all the channels, the mediums, Twitters, et cetera, if you want to be a part of that. Can you talk a little bit more, Ryan, about uh, your involvement with the central land? I don't know if, if this is publicly announced yet that what you shared about about the being selected by the DAO or hope I didn't too much out there.
1: Yeah. 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 No, no, that's, that's public. Um, and we're, we're kind of spreading the word about that. So thank you for uh, bringing it up. So we, um, in the spirit of, you know, community-led development, we've asked the DAO for their support. Um, so we've expanded our community to everyone in Decentraland who has the mind to vote on proposals and the way, if you're not familiar with how the Decentraland, um, DAO works, if you have either mana, which is the token, or um, land, which is kind of the asset, then you have voting power in the DAO. And you can use your voting power to contribute your, you know, yay or nay to proposals that come through and help them provide a grant. It could be as little as a few thousand dollars, or as much as the top tier for us, which was 240K. Uh, So that's that's the top tier that we went for based on the level of development we need to do. Um, and we've been at this for a while, so we can actually prove, uh, the progress, uh, the progress of our development over the past almost year now. Mm -hmm. Um, and this will kind of help us expedite all that and deliver our reach goals much faster. Um, so super excited for that. We're in alpha right now. We just finished kind of our alpha Mm 1.0 and we're going to the next phase where we're rendering about 60 more mons. Um, and also dropping a PFP project that will have in-game utility in the central end as well. Um, now I, I can get into any part of that that you want me to, to go. Um, uh, happy to go in different directions.
0: Uh yeah.
1: but I can also, I can drop a link or I don't know where
0: would be the best place to drop a link. That's a good question. Uh, because <laughs> never had that come up in 22 episodes. I think, uh, maybe the Discord for, for gamify, so that those who aren't familiar with Ethermon can, can learn more about it. Um, sure. And then, uh, you know, the, obviously the Ethermon community is is tapped in and plugged into what you all are doing. Is that that two hundred and forty thousand dollars? Is that just like a straight up grant? Obviously, they want you to, to use it to contribute to the Decentraland ecosystem. Can you mm-hmm. talk a little more about that process and if, if there are any strings yeah. attached? Yeah,
1: there's there's always strings attached, and it's it's about accountability, right? Okay. So there's there's a cliff. One month, so that someone can't just go in and propose and you know do collusion and vote on themselves and then run off with the money. Uh, So there are there are like ways to protect that ecosystem and still keep it decentralized. It's it's often harder in a decentralized environment to do the things we do in a centralized one. Uh, It might be better in the long run, but we have a lot of work to do to make it so. Right. Uh, So we have a one month cliff, and then we get um you know, I think a distribution on a monthly basis to be able to um just kind of jack up our teams and uh allocate more resources to development. Um so that's I mean we've been in build mode completely almost we haven't we haven't been focusing on revenue we've been focusing on creating the best gameplay experience and this allows us to kind of continue that thread mm-hmm. of how do we you know really develop this and level it up and make key hires to improve uh gameplay even more into Central end. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the relationship. And we also have a relationship with the foundation. So the DAO is all of the members and the foundation is more of a central organization that guides the development of the central and a higher level. Um, so we we're pretty dug in and we're trying to, you know, uh, listen to the community as well about what they want, um, and what direction to go to. Um, so that's, that's how we deal with accountability and uh, believe me if you see our Twitter and Discord people keep us accountable <laughs> so uh, people are very passionate about Euthamon so we uh, we always appreciate the the criticism or the feedback
0: yeah and I believe that even criticism can be constructive if you're willing to oh, yeah. dissect it and, and you know be open about the feedback That's interesting too that uh, you know you've got that same level of, of passion that you expect from gamers and I think more so for the crypto space, the play-to-earn space, because now it's not just passionate gamers built the game. Now they're they're co-owners, if you will. Yeah, exactly. Okay. I think it's it's great as well that you were able to get that funding. And it sounds like it's like linear, not linear investing, but like linear release. So it, is it like monthly milestone based, or what are the triggers for the additional funding? Um, I it's not it's
1: not like milestone per se. It's it's we're accountable. On a monthly basis, right? So there is there is a community watching us, right? <laughs> and there's, it's the DAO, and uh, right. it's distributed on a regular basis uh, based on what we said we were going to do, and uh, you know the relationship we have with that community that voted on us, as well as the general community that might not have even voted but still have skin in the game uh, that right. are still investing in our success. Um and there's no harsher critic than our team, right? (laughs) We've we've been really holding ourselves to a high standard. We're around the clock seven days a week. Um, so I'm I'm excited. And I see uh a few of us are on on the uh watching me even talk about this. (laughs) So Juckson is from our 3D team actually. Um is an avid member of uh the Decentraland community. And you know, we're we're lucky to have involved people who really, really care about you know the integrity of the space as a collective movement, right? Everyone in Decentraland affects uh, neighboring parcels and the whole community. So if one project kind of fails to deliver, it affects everyone. Um, that space that could be better allocated to someone who's really, you know, passionate and dedicated to, to growing it to his full potential. Um, so that's, that's kind of where we're at. Then. love you too, Justin. I
0: see that. <laughs> 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 <YouTube one. laughs> uh, did you send anybody over to GDC this week? I, I couldn't go. I've got two little tykes and you know, they keep me up all hours of the night, but uh, uh-huh. I hear people, people are, a lot of people are going. <laughs>
1: Yeah, yeah, we're we're pretty global. We have a few people in the states. Um, you know, as as things open up more, I'm excited to get more out there myself. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, for the next ones, we're we're eyes open. So, yeah, feel free to let us know if you see anything that you think we should uh, should be involved in.
0: Well, funny you say that. Uh, producing a, a co-producing a free event here in Tampa Bay. If you all want to uh, do a little demo of the game. Um, it's called Beyond Meta. So we are going to have equal parts gaming, esports, but also like blockchain, crypto. It's more of an educational level set. to get people in, into the ground force. So they understand the opportunities in front of them. So love to showcase your game. Uh, but but separate to that, I, when I was talking about people kind of violently being in opposition to blockchain gaming, it was someone was saying that they were speaking at GDC and then basically everybody <laughs> in LinkedIn from the gaming ecosystem just like dumped on why that was a terrible idea. <laughs> So I, I, I want to hear from you, what do you think is, is the biggest issue with the mainstream adoption amongst like game developers and gamers and then how as a team is the Ethermon uh team leadership community like trying to address those issues? Yeah, that's a great question. I,
1: I think you, you hit on two things in one breath. Uh there's education, right? So this this ability to understand. The, the legitimate value of the space, not the rug pulling pump and dump value of the space. So it, like the, the problem is people aren't wrong. You know, for every one legitimate, authentic project with public founders and a um, solid white paper and strong tokenomics, for every one of those, there's about 99,000 <laughs> projects that are popping up every day, often from the same people. Uh, that pollute the space and uh, you see that with any new tech where it's exploitable It's kind of wild west and then things consolidate and you know, you have you know This kind of reckoning like we saw like a few years back where like the the projects that are there for the wrong reasons Usually fall off and the projects that are there for the right reasons build over a long period of time In a very public and transparent way alongside their community um, So it, I think a lot of it is transparency. It's it's incumbent on the founders, right? And it's um, the responsibility of people who are criticizing to to educate themselves instead of being emotionally reactive, right? Uh, which is a big ask on the Internet. <laughs> um, but I, I think it's um, if you really want to understand something legitimately, then you should probably get to know the team like you would as an investor doing due diligence of any project. Like, um, you know, you picture like a gatekeeper of an incubator. There's, you know, there's a process there. Now people are, you know, off of the back of a white paper and some shill marketing, people are creating projects that raise 70 million in this space. So obviously there's a disconnect between those two and they're going to close slowly over time. Um, but I think you need, you need education about a very complicated jargon of your space. Um, and, you know, as a communicator, it's, I, I feel it's my responsibility to break it down in simple terms. And a lot of the time with any, you know, tech heavy thing, people really rely on the jargon to communicate it and. Uh, feel very intelligent from using you know every acronym that they know <laughs> but it, it it really hurts the space so I think if you <laughs> if you really want to you know bring people in figure out how to simplify for fourth grade level um, just speak plainly and uh, try to hit on the big themes um, if you really care about your project you're not just trying to make people feel you know stupid enough to ape in um, so I, I I feel like we have a responsibility there's there is like a or responsibility on both parties, um, if you really care about making this useful as a tech, right? Uh, it's it's incredibly powerful space from metaverse as a buzzword to blockchain as a buzzword and all these things. Like, I think we really haven't uncovered the potential of what it means for players to own their assets and contribute in such a quick way to a very interconnected world um, through, you know, metaverse, right? Um, so I... I'm excited to see what that potential has in store for us.
0: Yeah, Eric's right. Acronyms are damaging in any field. <laughs> thanks, thanks for sharing that. That's Eric. true. And we appreciate <laughs> everyone viewing live. Again, thank you, everyone on LinkedIn, um, Discord, Twitter, Twitch, Facebook. If you have any questions, we see you all in in the chat here for uh, YouTube. So feel free to ask those questions. We'll get those to Ryan. Ryan can answer them. I mentioned or I, I didn't mention. There's actually. One of our previous guests on the podcast is Bobby uh, Kunta. I, I, I think that's his last name. He runs an organization or a crypto company called Nonfungible Events, and it's designed to kind of be the bridge between kind of the, the metaverse and the real world. So he's actually he mentioned on the show. He's hosting an event at the Luxor or sorry, the HyperX Arena next to the Luxor Hotel in Las Vegas. I'd be glad to connect you with him. He's looking for other Well established, fun, play to earn games that you can showcase there as well. And and I think he's also trying to tap into like mainstream um, content creators and esports teams to be a part of that experience. Yeah, I I think that's great. And that's the bridge that
1: I think is super important. It's making it real for people, right? Like tying into some sense of the real world and real lived experience, not just this like hype dream. (laughs) That's like Facebook marketing ads, you know, about what the metaverse is going to look like. I think we really need grounded in a more realistic approach. And I'm a hyper realist. I I really want people to know the warts and all. Like we're at the beginning of the stage and we're developing together. Um, and the, the other part of, uh, the answer to your question I didn't hit on is the barrier is fun too, right? We're competing with like, I mean, we've, we've all been gamers in some way. We, we have the best gaming experiences, you know, right around the corner of. You know, play to earn. <laughs> it's like these AAA gaming studios with hyper realistic graphics and like endless addicting gra- gameplay. And then you get into this space, and it's it's new. It's kind of like we're going back to the '90s some of the time. You know, it's buggy, and that's part of the excitement. So I, I think you know, making it fun is is our biggest goal right now. It's like, how do we make it a great social experience, great gameplay experience? And really drive that fun part home. So it's not just going to end up like some of these games that become click farms, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the, the third piece. It's education, you know, kind of like breaking through that misunderstanding, the fear part. And then, um, you know, how to really have fun in this space, make it like a flow and not just another job, right? Playing to earn.
0: Yeah, I'm going to give a shout out to Anna Stoloiva, Stolova. I know that you were on a panel with her Twitter spaces a few yeah. weeks ago. That's actually how I discovered you is, is through, she was actually a guest on the podcast a few weeks ago as well. Um, and I think that she and her team are doing the same thing, like bringing their love for video games. Um, and then again, just like you said, trying to create equity for the player. Yeah, that yeah, was great. Yeah. And then it, it's, it's projects
1: like that that really drive this space forward, right? Mm-hmm. Focusing on the, the player experience legitimately. I'm seeing some nice comments in here.
0: Yeah. Justin, thanks. Yeah, you're right. It's definitely like the nineties and and look where we are now. just a short 20, 30 years later. So just think about where blockchain gaming can be in the future. If we get behind it, I think something else is going to help, which a lot of people kind of shun is the government adding regulation. Um, Mm -hmm. And and I'm not about things being hyper-regulated, but I think in, in, maybe I'm wrong, that them regulating it is at least them making an attempt to legitimize it from their perspective. And I think there are so many people who don't understand the space who rely on things like the government to be kind of, um, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, that's not the right, I'm not going to use a canary <laughs> a canary metaphor, <laughs> but, but people basically kind of giving them a, a heads up about what's in the space because th- I think there's a degree of trust you can have for the stock exchange, even though there's certainly a lot of manipulation happening behind the scenes, but there's a certain degree of trust and security you can have in the stock exchange because those companies are regulated by the SEC. Mm. So at least having that presence there creates a sense of consumer security. And I think them doing the same thing for the crypto space will extend that, that level or a certain degree of consumer security across all things that involve crypto and metaverse, including the blockchain gaming space.
1: Yeah. So no, regulation is not bad. Thing.
0: Who regulates
1: is another question. Um, I, I think, I think setting standards, even if they're collective standards from us, not to say you need like a authoritarian regime to say like, this is, you know, like, let's put the hammer down on all these scams. Um, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we are still in the stage where it's, there's so many gaps and loopholes, um, that you do need some of those to close in order to legitimize the space. Um, and that's good for everyone, hopefully. And then we can maximize. You know, the good parts of it
0: was the utility of this thing. Yeah, what I'm—I've been waiting for. And I've been a holder, not a holder. I've only been a holder for for what was a year, and then I lost my money. And when CEX basically bank maintenance feed all my my Dogecoin of all things out of my wallet in 2016 because it's a meme coin. <laughs> uh, what I've been waiting on is for the space to self-regulate. You know, everybody's talking about like, we don't need external regulation because we'll self regulate. And I have not seen basically anything of that. The only thing I saw yeah. close to it was like, what was it? ICO bench, which didn't basically became like a cesspool of, of like scams <laughs> and, and like everything that you, you didn't yeah. want, you wanted them to protect. They were actively like cultivating this, this negative area. What are your thoughts about yeah. that, about like self regulation? Is that, is that a pipe dream? Is that possible? I, I would love to. See, like maybe I'm,
1: I'm, you know, not supposed to say this on broadcast, but for DAOs to replace governments, I think would be amazing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think, I think it's very hard to nimbly do the things that centralized bodies do, in a in a decentralized space where the incentives are usually, you know, profit and pain, right? Um, instead of like intrinsically fixing things, like you know, government is supposed to be a public servant body right it's not often that you know we've (laughs) we're not gonna get into like a political discussion but i i think um i think that the idea of this you know serving the system type of leadership uh without you know being a profit-driven enterprise capitalistic enterprise which like the blockchain space very much is is um it's rare to see those you know, sort of nonprofit. What's a nonprofit crypto project that you can name, right? <laughs> like what's a, <laughs> what's a blockchain, you know, regulatory body that's owned by the citizen? It's like not like a weird, you know, cash grab in itself, right? Um, so I think, I think we'll eventually see these pop up, but, um, we have to have that motivation first. And a lot of people are just trying to make a lot of money in this space. Next phase that I see is this like cultural shift where, you know, once you have, the basic needs of people met, then they're trying to add value, they're contributing and all that. Um in the meantime, it just feels like a massive redistribution of wealth. And, you know, in a different in a different way, it's it's not much better than the old system, right? Uh so I, I think we'll we'll have to have that cultural shift. That's my kind of my bold prediction, right? Is that, you know, that's the next thing is a social shift where people actually feel that this matters more than the transactional nature of you know, just extracting value from people or each other, um, that we can actually transform the space in a way that's better for all of us. Um, so that's, we're not there yet, but I'm very optimistic that we will head
0: in that direction. I agree. And we've got a great question about, uh, from Icecoin about it, decentralization mm-hmm. kind of being like a feeling that that's kind of getting away from us, like sand in our hands. It's, it feels like yeah. the space is getting more centralized. I want to hear your thoughts on that as well. Uh, because I, I agree that to your, your point, like the there is a massive wealth redistrib- redistribution. And I believe that in the space, you know, when I when I got into the space early when I found out that Bitcoin was powered by blockchain, like in the space in 2016, um, I felt like it was it had a kind of a anarchy almost kind of feel to it. Not that everybody was like, you know, tear down the government, but it was so let's let's actively empower the people, the communities. And since then, I've just seen like less and less of that. Especially now, as like businesses in the VC space, you know, uh, Silicon Valley starts taking the area seriously. You know, you even had like Jamie Dimon, who is was formerly like one of the the big opponents of of crypto. Yeah. Like now, they have a crypto campus, and so now you like the the banks that we had designed, we collected, we had designed blockchain to get away from, are now mm-hmm. kind of the new foundation the of this stakeholders. Space. <laughs> right, right. So yeah. I'm if you, you can speak to Icecoin's statement and then what do you think about like whales having too much influence in the space by virtue of, of their assets?
1: Yeah. And that's the redistribution, right? It's, yeah. it's like the new 0.001 percent of yeah. early adopters and people who brought, you know, capital into the space. You know, Elon Musk in a, in a tweet moving the whole market. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's there's a lot of this need to have power be more fragile. I think. And, you know, in the traditional, like, sort of, like, the big banks and the big companies and everyone having, like, this outsized power over our lives, like, we need, we need a shift that legitimately makes good on this idea of decentralization, Mm -hmm. right? And right now, I'd say it's very illegitimate. (laughs) It's, it's like, this idea is, uh, it's very much top of mind for all of us. And you have people, you know, with four names on Twitter, you know, just, you know, spouting, you know, a mini blog and but it's not really moving the needle. We need we need collective organization change, right? Um uh, so that's I mean it's a big, it's a big task. And um, you know, at Ethermon we're partnering as broadly as possible because we believe in collective movements, not just our thing becoming the dominant, you know, player in the space, but like how can we sort of lift each other up and grow this together in a more authentic way, right? In a more open way. Um, so I, I think I think we're headed in that direction. At least a lot of the people I talk to um, have really progressive ideas about what it means to sort of give up your need to grasp power for like kind of laying the tide of the collective movement, take you into it and being, uh, being part of that. And like, you know, I grew up in the States. I was sometime in Canada, which maybe helped me get a little perspective. Um, but um, we're very individualistic. So the, the idea of not having it all. And you know it's it's demotivating for a lot of people, and I think we need to maybe shift to like how can we do it together right how can we How can we make this positive for most people? because I promise you the people who are you know getting up to the fame and fortune and everything are much happier than you and I you know <laughs> at our our place so i I feel like you know we're we're waking up to these ideas it's It's a social movement though all tech kind of does is is enable social movements to progress. Uh, we shouldn't get too caught up in the tech. I think we should really focus on, you know, what it means to be a community driven project, community driven ecosystem and how to improve that. Um, so I, yeah, what about decentralization? I think is a very open question and we should continue asking that. What about decentralization? So thanks, uh, Icecoin for, uh, for chiming in there.
0: Yeah. Thanks. ice Icecoin. We appreciate that. Uh, we're, we're running a little short on time. We actually just had a new question come in. So I always want to give priority to the questions. Too. Want this to be an interactive, engaging show. So, Bitcoin owner says, Can you give me a detail on how guilds and scholars work in Ethermont? Yeah. So, this is kind of the
1: um, people often project Axie Infinity onto us, where (laughs) they have this guild and scholar program. We are looking at guilds. Um, So, guilds will start in the central land in our district. And that will be an opportunity for people to, um, I guess, like this is to empower the free to play. Players, um, also being able to contribute in the ecosystem, you know, rent out mons from their guild or collectively like put resources together to be a, um, you know, a new type of kind of mini DAO in a way, right? A, a guild is in a way like a mini DAO. It could be at least. Mm-hmm. And what I'd love to see is for Ethermon to, um, to make this a reality where people can not just become kind of a click farm for like a guild owner. But actually, you know, as scholars, they're more becoming contributors and uh, they have sweat equity, right? So they're they're becoming like value contributors in this ecosystem as you know, what Axi calls scholars, we would we would flip it a bit. Um, and then kind of moving in the direction of a DAO, you know, how do we how do we allow more you know, voting power um, for all community members? How do we really bring them into the the profit sharing mechanism, right? which is really what a guild is. It's, it's profit sharing with the centralized organization. And then you have this kind of node network of guilds around that. So okay. I I think that that's, that's really what that question gets at for me. is like, how do we, how do we allow all the things that this relationship between the guilds and the scholars have in a way that's a little more sustainable and isn't going to eventually push out players from like, you know, like this crazy high entry point. Um So I, uh, I, I don't know if that's kind of a runaround, that question, but we are we are seriously looking at the system team and we'll start in uh,
0: the central end. Excellent. Uh, that, that's important. I, I, everybody always refers back to Axie Infinity. You're right. I think it, it, it's, mm-hmm. and they, they certainly are due their credit, but I don't, I don't think it's fair to necessarily like compare everything or, or view everything from the lens of Axie Infinity. So I'm glad that you're, yeah. you're learning from what they've done well, maybe some things that, that they have areas to improve. You're trying to build the best best version of either one. What's, in your opinion, uh, either the the boldest prediction you have for 2022, the thing you'd most like to see in the space in this year? Um,
1: so, with all the hype around everyone creating metaverse from Facebook to Microsoft to <laughs> everyone, uh, like literally everyone, I, I hear about a new metaverse every day now. Um, mm-hmm. I I think that at some point we're going to become interoperable enough that it won't really matter whose metaverse you're in. Um, so the idea with Ethermon is you have these Mon NFTs and we'll have kind of, uh, we're calling them legends. They're very similar to like Pokemon trainers. You can think of, you are the legend and your Mons are your digital companion. So you will be taking on these, you know, avatars. And the idea is that those avatars and your Mon companions can travel with you anywhere you go. Um, so cross chain, cross metaverse, uh, we really want to lean into this idea of interoperability in a way that feels like a fluid game experience. So you can kind of continue adding value to the assets that you have by just adding more layers of, you know, our partnerships, you know, to enable it. And then, you know, your gameplay experiences and these different metaverses and game platforms to really, um, to add value to the network. Right. Um, so I, I think it's, uh, it's kind of a, around the Bush way of saying, I think metaverse will be more clearly defined by the the things that it allows you to do rather than the platform, um, which is like, you know, when we're on tour space, we're kind of in the audio metaverse, right? We're, we're bridging, you know, space and time and whatever. Um, and that's really the promise of virtual reality, mixed realities to allow us, yeah, the, the meta metaverse, exactly. <laughs> there we go. You should trademark <laughs> on, that <here. laughs> before Facebook. Meta you know, dot you know, .e, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know if that's um, the boldest prediction. It's kind of a loose prediction. Um, but I do think there's a social movement that we have to have that we haven't. I think it, it comes down to people becoming, in their minds, creative agents in, you know, every aspect of their lives, including their work. Um, so not just to kind of be in this employee mindset or this uh, consumer mindset with products that we have, but, you know, to really be like, how can I add value to every part of, you know, my life as a creator, um, as a value creator or a you know gamer, just having fun, um, but that I'm not just like extracted, like my value is not just extracted, that I'm actually, you know, I have value, right? It's the self-esteem movement in some way. <laughs> and, uh, I, I think we're, we're all kind of waking up to that. And it, it, of course, it's like a financial movement. So we get really tied up in the finances, but it's really like beyond that. I think it's, um, you know, finances just measure value. Mm-hmm. And I think we, we need to have that conversation more like globally and in our individual societies. Uh, but I do see that shift really moving the needle on this whole space.
0: Excellent. Yeah, you you mentioned two things, um, both utility and the the value sharing is what's, I think, going to drive the success of of the play to earn in the metaverse space moving into the future. And I I am encouraged by the rallying of the entire ecosystem, I I hate to say against Meta, Facebook when it became Meta, but it it showed that there was sincere concern about the future of the ecosystem. Um, And I I know good people who work at, at Facebook now, Meta. Uh, but I also recognize that they have not been the best contributor to the technology ecosystem in society in the last 20 years. Um they, they have done some good things, but they they have also done some terrible things. So I, I think you know it's great to see that's some form of at least self-policing that everyone else is trying to like build up <laughs> their ecosystem as quickly as they can before they're like collectively trying to outrace meta to the metaverse. That's, that's true. I mean, as a good driver, right?
1: We don't want to live in some apocalyptic Rare player one universe where the world's you know on fire and we're just in these idiotic headsets. Like, you know, uh, I, I think we're all opposed to that. We haven't given up full yet, you know? <laughs> yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that,
0: uh, that stays true. Yeah. Cool, cool, man. Well, thank you for your time before you leave. How can people connect with you, uh, support you, support you, what's, what's something that you may not have mentioned, like, now is the time for Shameless plug before we close up the episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can find us on Discord. We're thriving on Discord right now. We have a lot of mini-games, ways for you to get involved, regular events. Uh, that's just discord.gg slash ethermon. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, ethermon underscore NFT. And if you go to our site, ethermon.io, create a profile, you'll start with three free mons, be able to get a sense of the gameplay without adding a dime of your own money. And then, you know, over time, grind your way up and either buy or grind and earn and, uh, you know, find your own way in our ecosystem. So if you have any questions, we're, we're very active. We have an amazing mod
0: community. So reach out to us and we'll be happy to answer. Excellent. Well, thank you for being so generous of your time. Uh, appreciate you all joining us live again on all the platforms, especially, you know, YouTube, LinkedIn, and Discord, Twitter, Facebook, Twitch. We, we see you there as well. Stay tuned for the next episode of the Gamify Everything podcast. And we'll see you soon. Good night, friends.